Hello and welcome back to the View Church Podcast. This is Jake, the host of the View Church Podcast, and I'm sitting down again with George, uh, one of the co-pastors of View Church. And if you've been listening the past couple episodes, we've been missing Jeff. And um, Jeff, if you're listening, we love you, we miss you, and uh, it's not the same without you being here. Um, but Jeff uh, had an outpatient surgery um, over this um, past few days. He's doing well. He's recovering well, but um, that's something that he's been dealing with. So your thoughts and prayers are obviously um, are appreciated, and we have missed him being a part of this, and he will join us again very soon. Um, we love you, Jeff, and um, we uh, I know that you appreciate everybody's love and support. Um, but he is doing well and on the mend, and that is a good thing. And in today's episode, if you've been following along, um, George and I, even Jeff previously were working through um, the Psalms. And one of the ways that we wanted to uh, move through the Psalms in this specific episode was to talk about anger. And anger is one of those emotions that um, are typically deemed as negative. And I would even venture to say, George, and you uh, were bringing this up in the before we recorded, it's not very spiritual um, and non-Christian to be angry. So we're going to talk about anger. We're going to talk about, you know, kind of how the Psalms approach anger, um, how Jesus showed anger, and even a little bit of uh, psychological uh, research that shows that um, there are ways, healthy ways, as mimicked in the Psalms, to uh, approach your anger and move through it. So, George, why don't you um, start off a little bit walking us through where anger is seen and heard in the Psalms? Since Jeff isn't with us, I'll give us our $10,000 word for the day (laughs) to make Jeff proud of us. Yes. Um, It's called the imprecatory psalms. That's what Mm. they call these uh, psalms of anger. And um, they're curse. Uh, Imprecatory means curse. So it's Mm. the opposite of of blessing. But um, I think we have a difficult relationship with these uh, psalms, these psalms of anger and, and cursing. And in a lot of ways, we, you know, we, we want to read the ones that, you know, immediately go to praise without realizing perhaps how they got to that mm. particular place. And so one of the things that I think is in, important to not leave these psalms out of the life of the church because mm. they could communicate that we shouldn't feel this way. Mm. And if you do... Go do it somewhere else right. because we're all nice people here. Like, we, was, like we, we don't think these thoughts or right. we don't. But the truth is, is that um, these psalms give us a place to uh, to bring these emotions and these feelings. And, and I would argue the best place mm. to bring them and uh, to have a, a divine presence involved with what we're feeling. So um, I think you know, that's why we're not bypassing this. We, Mm. you know, we want to pay attention to these Psalms and we want to find ourselves in it in some meaningful uh, way. So I think this, you know, these Psalms are a way of, uh, these particular Psalms are a way of handing over the impulses of anger Mm. and hatred. And it is a way, I would call them, they're prayers of relinquishment. Mm. It's, um, it's honesty about what we're feeling, but a sense that there perhaps is a better way to process it, to go about feeling these in a way that, you know, could bring about something more healthy in our lives or more healthy in our world. So, uh, you know, I think often we think we get stuck in what we feel, mm-hmm. you know, you, so we would avoid something that might be a darker emotion, but, but the truth is they're all emotions. They're, you know, they're data, they're, mm-hmm. They're telling us something about something, and 
So I don't think we should be fearful of them, especially to express them or to give language to them or to have a healthy way to process them. It's more dangerous to not deal with them at all mm. and to just push them down. So um, these ancient people, they had in, in some ways a more healthy way of dealing with them. We have psychotherapy today and we right. have you know, community and places where we could go to share these kinds of things. Um, but uh, this was their community. This was their psychotherapy back there. And I think they were onto something that mm. we now have discovered through um, psychology and psychologists and psychiatrists and, and, you know, just people to help us deal with these things. We now found that that's helpful. But they, you know, they, they, they discovered this way before we did. Yeah. And what's fascinating about it, too, George, you was talking about um, the the fact that the church, a lot of us growing up in church, really the goal is just to be nice. I mean, you know, and then like you said, you can be angry, but it's certainly not in church or while you're in small group. You're really supposed to talk about how blessed you are and how uh, thankful you are. And all those things are really important, but it's not realistic. It doesn't take, in, it doesn't take into account all of our emotional spectrum. And so often um, the unhealth of our spiritual life within Christianity in some of these systems is the lack of emotional honesty with everything that we're feeling. And anger specifically, for me, um, I would test as an Enneagram 7. And so in, in, that's going to be avoid pain at all costs and just, you know, everything's right and w- with the world. So I feel like in a way, modern Christianity has kind of become the Enneagram 7 where it's, hey, everything's so great, you know, let's just keep moving forward. Let's deny all the things that um, are bad in the world, but we're everything. We're just going to keep going. And I just think that um, part of psychology is showing us, just as you mentioned, and we'll get to that later um, with a really popular book called Emotional Agility by Susan David, a great book. But what, what psychology is showing us is, as you said, was mimicked in the Psalms many, many years ago. But we, you know, we, we're not perfect human beings and we all, um, you know, air off of, um, uh, the kind of the original truth that was probably taught through these psalms. But um, George, why don't you walk through um, one of the psalms that really just goes there? <laughs> no, I'll, no I'll, holds barred. I'll do it. This is not nice, Jake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I want to prepare our listeners. Earbuds for the kids. Yeah. No. You know, um, and I, I would like to add you, uh, what you're speaking to is so true. In fact, I was with a group of um, of, of mentors and and people that uh, I share my life with uh, a couple weeks ago. And I was expressing my some of my feelings of anger, mm. and I had a couple of them that were so surprised. They're like, "George, you're the most peaceful person we know. Like yeah. you get angry, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but it's actually the fact that I'm in tune with it and mm. in touch with it, and and discovering ways to uh, express it, and and you know, as a prayer of relinquishment, that it actually leads to me being a more peaceful person internally and mm. externally in the world around me. So." You know, I've really learned to trust this, and there are many people. There's a whole tradition that, you know, has discovered there is a, a way to deal with these kinds of emotions that lead us to a much better place. So, but let me read one of these imprecatory psalms, and you could hear um, the language in this. But uh, this is Psalm 109. Uh, uh, David supposedly wrote this, but uh, the writer says this: "Appoint someone evil to oppose my enemies." Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tired, let him be found guilty. And may his prayers condemn him. (laughs) Not nice. Uh, May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Mm. 
May his children be wandering beggars, and may they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize all he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. May no one, no one extend kindness to him or take pity on his fatherless children. May their sins always remain before the Lord, that he may blot out their name from the earth. Mm. So, Pretty much the worst thing you could say. About. <laughs> You've taken everything away from them. It's like it's not even, and that's what's so funny, but we're reading out of the Bible. That's something to remember is this isn't like a Facebook post in the modern times. This is straight out of the Bible. It's kind of alarming to, to think that that was included, right? I mean, that's really, really, really powerful. And that, and that somehow uh, God can handle our broken hearts mm. and our um, raging words of protest. Right. In fact... Um, this divine presence might be the absolute best place to take these kinds of things. And mm. that's that's what I'm discovering. And I think that through these psalms and through um, experience in dealing with my own emotions like this, that God is the safest place to go, and he can handle it. And not only can he handle it, but um, somehow in, in the practice and the discipline of this, something changes. Mm. In, in my own heart and in, in the hearts of those who see these as prayers of relinquishment. So um, I don't want to overlook that right? because it's a very central part to right. how the writers of the Scripture approach their relationship with God. Yeah, and you see um, the way this is manifest in, in today's society is you see, you know, the you look at the news and all you see is, you know, results of massive anger, anger on one side or the other, or um, even just um, some of the most recent events that occurred, um, there's just fury. You can see it. You can, it's just, it's palpable. And I, I feel that a lot of our listeners probably don't really know, and I was going to ask you from a pastoral perspective, um, why do you think it is that we have a difficult time in our spiritual life with our own anger or maybe um, denying it? We're going to talk in the, there's ways that people typically uh, cope with negative emotions or ones that they deem negative. But, you know, when you're talking about your prayer life, everything else, you're, the way that you're, um, you know, talking with God, wh- what is it in your opinion that may keep us from expressing our anger when we're praying or um, trying to bring that into our spiritual life? What are some of the roadblocks, do you think, to that? Because I think we, we often feel like they don't belong. Mm. And we think we're being unfaithful you know, even with the fact that we're feeling them to begin with. And so, you know, for me, I think it starts us off in a dishonest place with God that is completely unhelpful mm. and not healing. And and so um, I think God is very comfortable with um, us bringing our most honest self. And I, I, I think if we would try it more often, we would find grace and love and, and a caring presence in it that, you know, it's something that we could become more comfortable right. with. So, um, but it is something that's learned. It's something that has to be practiced. And obviously these Psalms teach us that this is the right way. Mm. So I don't understand why we're so disconnected from it in the church where we kind of skip over those. Mm. Like we know the Psalms, but we know six or seven of them. <laughs> those are right. most, they're the most uplifting one. We don't obviously read these in our, liturgies, you know, right. the, the Psalm 109, but perhaps we should. Right. And I think that maybe um, part of this is the reason why so much has been um, 
this has been so talked about in the the therapy circles of the world, the psychology circles of the world, that people are realizing that um, to embrace all of our emotional spectrum is really healthy for us as individuals from a, a psychological perspective. And as I mentioned earlier, Susan David wrote a book called Emotional Agility. I actually taught a class on this book, so I got to know it really well and the genius of the book. And there's two things that I want to reference in this, the first of which is that she said that we we have positive and negative emotions, which we really should probably back off on some of that and saying, because that's in a judgment on anger being bad. And so she, she says, oftentimes anger points to an injustice and it can also point you to what you value in life. And so, um, you know, I'm reminded of Jesus going through the temple and throwing things, you know, getting frustrated and getting angry. Um, you know, that's not, um, that's not something that, that we talk about often. We talk about, you know, all the, all the quote unquote positive aspects of Jesus, but that was rep again, it was something that was witnessed and put into the Bible. And I've heard countless people talk about how, if you want to start a company or a business or an online, if you want to start to write or speak, what are you mad at? And then start from there because anger can fuel and it's, it oftentimes can point you to things that you love and hold dear, um, that you didn't know. And so, but again, um, that comes with actually experiencing the emotion. And this is the, the, the part that was, um, kind of the focus of the book was people typically fall into two categories, um, when they are experiencing quote unquote, a negative emotion. So that's fear, specifically anger is one of them. And so this is fun. If you're listening, you can, um, figure out which one you are. What's even more fun is if you can quickly spot which one your spouse is, which is also a fun game, but, or your kids or your uh, brothers or sisters. But so the first person that deals with their negative emotions is called a bottler and bottlers. They, um, they won't feel it. They will push it down. They will bottle it and they will not allow themselves to feel the anger. So they'll see it, you know, Oh, I can't believe that person cut me off, but I'm going to push that down. I'm going to, I'm going to control it. Obviously not a healthy model. And then there's brooders. Now, brooders absolutely feel that emotion, but they stick in it. And as you mentioned earlier, we are oftentimes afraid to feel our anger because we're worried that we're going to get stuck in it. So what she said was um, neither of these are healthy approaches. What is the actual healthy approach is to be a loving witness to this anger and to allow it some space to be and then to relinquish it. You said that, that's such a great word earlier because you in your spiritual life so oftentimes um, forget that there is help and support. That's kind of a big part of your spiritual walk is to let it go and to give it over, but you can't let it go. You can't invite God into it if you're bottling it and you're not allowing yourself to feel it or you're brooding over it and you're holding on to it tight. And that's where, you know, you're angry for three or four days. Well, all of a sudden that turns into a couple of weeks and now you're just an angry person. So her model ends was a massively New York times bestseller book all of this stuff, as we talked about earlier, is encouraged in the Psalms. And so um, I just thought that was a really interesting thing that even popular psychology now is telling us you need to be able to approach your anger and to live with it and to understand that it's not a negative, it's not a bad thing, it's just part of the human experience. And I, you were mentioning, George, I wanted you to talk a little bit about that dishonesty. I think that's a really a great point when you're talking about praying or, or, or talking to God or having a... Um, a prayer or anything like that, that is interesting to be dishonest by withholding. God's like, I see you're angry, <laughs> but you're praying for, you know, peace. Like, be honest with me. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I think 
what the Psalms teach us is to fill our anger, but not be undone by our anger. Mm. Um, and then we see in the New Testament, um, you know, we see, you know, I at one point I was totally surprised that Jesus got angry. Mm. Um, and But yet it led to a, a greater understanding of, for me, of what it means to truly be human. Be human. It's mm. like, to be human is, of course, you're going to f- feel angry at times. And, um, and then later on, uh, I think it's Paul in one of the, uh, one of his epistles says that in your anger do not sin. Mm. So I think uh yeah, if you start from the place of dishonesty where anger just doesn't belong, yeah. then uh, um I, I don't know how we end up healthy and whole and and bringing something good to the world because you know, it seems that the writers of these texts and even Jesus mm. um uh, they express their anger. Now, here's where here's where I think Jesus is so helpful to me is that we could, you know, spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about the abuse of anger, mm. but Jesus shows us that there's a divine use of anger. Mm. So um, for me, honesty is starting with, I feel this, um, it's something that's real, and I could go one of two directions with this. I mm. can be honest with it and and process it and... Um, give language and expression to it that leads to something that's a divine use, or perhaps, uh, you know, I don't deal with it or don't express it or don't acknowledge it, and somehow it comes out in an abusive way that Mm. hurts myself or or hurts people around me. So um, I think Jesus, without any question, um, gives us permission to feel angry Mm. and then shows us a way that we could take it and do something good with it. Mm. So, and, and here's what I've discovered over time, is that um, often my anger um, can be out of proportion. Mm. And um, in, in one of two ways. Um, one, you get angry over something that really doesn't matter and how mm. far that anger can go and how it could come out. And you're like, wait a minute, like, did that moment really call for that to be that out of proportion Mm. and then it's out of proportion in the other way too there are things that really should make me angry that don't yes and so uh i think seeing both sides of that um are uh opening my heart to go yeah there there is an abusive way that anger can come out in our lives it's totally not helpful and perhaps there is a way that i should be more angry Mm. Because you were kind of talking about that, that, you know, if we're going to do something good in the world, perhaps it starts from a place of anger. Yeah, I mean, a lot of lot of nonprofits, a lot of massive companies have been built because they saw an injustice and they were tired of talking about it. And they really, I mean, there's a lot of um, um, companies dedicated to uh, uh, sex trafficking. There's a lot of companies that are dedicated to uh, battered women and children. That's fury. That's That's anger that's saying, I'm tired of seeing this. We have to do something about this. But that also incites passion. And I think that one thing that um, I wanted to kind of close out with from my perspective is in my own personal experience is when you talk about blowing up, blowing up is usually um, because you've been bottling for so long. At least brooders don't blow up. That's what's fascinating about brooders. Now, they may be depressed all the time, and you can't you can't get them out of their depression. But brooders, they will feel it. Now, if, you, if you're like me and you're a bottler, then you will pop off because think about a bottle. You shake the bottle, you shake the bottle. That's creating pressure. Well, eventually the top's going to explode. And that's how most of us were taught growing up in early Christianity to approach anger, to approach the quote-unquote negative emotions. So it's really healthy to start 
working that muscle that you're not used to working so that you alleviate a lot of those blow-ups so that if somebody cuts you off on the road, you don't go into road rage because you haven't been bottling all of this. And number two is, I think it's Brene Brown that says, if you think about your emotions as kind of a mainframe, and they've all got little buttons. You have a button for joy. You have a button for anger. You have a button for... If you start to selectively turn off certain buttons, she says it doesn't work that way. The way that the brain and our emotion works is if you turn one off, you turn all of them off. So if you limit your anger, you limit your joy. You limit your ability to be at peace. And all of these positive emotions... Because there is no way to dampen one without the other. So if you want to experience more joy, if you want to have these moments of just overwhelming love, you have to be careful not to limit the negative emotions that you have. And so that's been my experience. I have a long way to go as a seven because I can, oh man, I especially with my Christian upbringing, um, I can view all of that as negative and, and below me, right? That's below me to get angry. But that stuff's coming in anyway. So... I just want to encourage you, check out that book, Emotional Agility. It's a wonderful, gives you a lot of great practices too. But one of the things that can give you, um, and the next episode um, that we'll be releasing um, will be about joy. And it is important to know that as you start to get better at working with your anger, naturally joy and all these other emotions will start to come and surface as well. So it's not a um, zero-sum game. You will um, experience joy moving through these emotions as well. I, I just would like to add to that. That's so good, Jake. Um, the These psalms really do give us a way to bring uh, our unjust enemy and our vengeful selves that are both loved by God mm. to the same place for that divine love to be at work in both. And um, there is a different way to think about anger. And it's exactly that. It's that there is a proper place for it. There's a proper place to take it. And um, I've been reading a a commentary on the Psalms. I'd like to read just a way of thinking about this um, that could be helpful. But um, in his commentary, it's called Open and Unafraid. Mm. And uh, he's, he's writing here about some of these imprecatory Psalms, these cursing Psalms. And he, and he says this, he says the difference between a right and wrong response to anger, I suggest, is a difference between a humble heart and a hardened heart. Mm. A humble heart is honest to God about one's feelings. A hardened heart wants only to exact an eye for an eye. A humble heart entrusts one's enemies to God. A hardened heart demonizes one one's enemies. A humble heart is angry before the face of God and in the presence of community. And in this act of faithful and forceful speech, which when we read that Psalm 109, it was forceful, wasn't it? It was, it was hard to listen to. Mm-hmm. God will also heal that heart. Mm. To pray these Psalms in the end is to trust that Jesus prays these same prayers in us and for us. And by his spirit does something much better than uh, managing our anger. He sets our hearts free to love our enemies in a way that we never imagined possible. Mm-hmm. And in praying these prayers with Jesus, we likewise acquire the heart of Jesus and so discover the seemingly impossible. And here's the key phrase, how to be faithfully angry. Mm-hmm. Faithfully angry. There, there is a faithful way to be angry. And the Psalms, the example of Jesus, um, many of the writings in the New Testament guide us toward that. So let's be less fearful of mm-hmm. them. And, um, you know, let's find ways to, to deal 
uh, with them in a way that we could be faithful mm. with them. And, and I believe with all my heart that even through anger, good can be brought out of it. Because like you said earlier, sometimes they're pointing to something that we really value and mm. really matters. Mm. So um, let's be at least a, t- a little bit more open to yeah. how we can engage with these parts of us and how God meets us in it and can do a beautiful thing. Mm. Amen to that. That was a great way to, to close that out. George, uh, do you have any updates real quick if you are listening in real time on some of the things that are about to start occurring Nashville, we're having some progress with our um, coronavirus uh, uh, data. So things are slowly, um, the vaccine's obviously rolling out. So hopefully, um, as we record this in February, um, things will continue to improve. So at the time we're recording this now, here in the beginning of February, what are some of the updates that people can get excited about? Uh, The update that I'm excited about, and I hope others will be, March 7th, we hope to meet in person at the Ford Ice at 9 and 10.30. Okay. And um, we're going to go back to doing our previews as our plan as we kind of get going again. But March 7th, March 21st, and then I'm going to say this again for (laughs) the third time on Easter Sunday, (laughs) April 4th, uh, we we, we hope to be gathering. So those three Sundays um, are what we're preparing for and working toward right now. And so uh, uh, we're really hopeful that that, that it's going to happen. But, of course, you know, as we've... (laughs) been on this journey you you never know yeah. uh, a couple days or a week can make a huge difference but that's what we're planning for so Absolutely. people can get prepare for that yeah wonderful okay well and you can find all this out online at viewchurch.org um, and we would love 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 um, for you to share this with any friends that you have as we get closer to that um, opening date we are excited to see your faces with the mask the whole thing with the RSVP all of it we are just overjoyed to have the opportunity to get together. And I know I've been with Jeff and George for a year now as we've recorded this podcast. And and though they continue to have setbacks with everything that's going on, um, the joy to uh, meet in person and have a community built is still very much alive and well. So we love you all. We hope you do. Hope you have a great rest of your week and um, we'll be in touch soon. Take care.